Welcome back, everyone, to the table. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, the podcast where we come and sit and talk about two films that the other person has never seen before. I'm back with the creator of this wonderful program, Mr. Peter Martinez. Peter, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for calling me wonderful. Yeah, I might regret that later on, depending on how this conversation goes, obviously. But this is actually our first uh, 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 podcast back since October of 2020. Uh, yes. For a brand new themed month. Peter, can you tell the good boys and girls and uh, everyone at home? Well, this just got weird. Um, <laughs> can you tell everyone what this month is about? It is called Feel Good February. And that entails exactly <laughs> what I... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly how it sounds. We're, we're covering feel-good films. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were supposed to we're do this. Have... We were supposed to do this last year, weren't we? Yes, we were. And I, can I just say, and, I'm having mm-hmm. a much better February than last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the films. Okay. I think that's what it is. Yeah. 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 It's working their charm. Uh. So today we're going to d- d- talk about the two films that I gave you. Mm-hmm. Not just do one film, we're going to do two. We're going to do both this This month, the episodes will have the two films that I gave you. And then the next episode for this month will be me talking to Kyle about the two films I gave him. Um, this will be Kyle so Lira's yeah. first appearance uh, onto the table I want to say Since he was banished. He was banished. I was aware that yes. he made a conscious decision to not be involved. No, no, he was banished. Why? He tried because he tried to, you know, break up the band. Tried to come in and Yoko Ono it up by, uh, you know, have a solo career <laughs> with his uh, his his magical podcast. What's it called? Oh my god. Yeah. And so your campaign against the Fantasy Fair podcast continues. Yes. Although I heard David uh, trash the Mandalorian. So maybe I'll listen to that episode. Yeah. Well, uh, on the Red Spotlight Network, we've been quite busy with many different shows. Uh, Peter just mentioned the Fantasy Fair podcast, which you can catch every week with Kyle Lira and Alexis Moreno for their show they're doing a theme as well since it's a short month they have a shorts themed month talking about many many disney and pixar short films and then of course on on the main red spotlight channel uh for those who were not aware we also peter and i regularly are on that podcast all the time as well and we also discuss uh we have entire episodes if not segments where we talk about you know directors and films and for the last i believe this past fall which ended up bleeding over into the winter because of uh scheduling conflicts we had our annual uh files series where we take a look at the films of one primary director and you know for 2019 we looked at the movies of Martin Scorsese, around, I think, 14 of them, not all of them. So you can listen to those as well. And then for 2020, we looked at the films of Guillermo del Toro, which uh, 
are basically in and of themselves bite-sized to the table discussions but more uh maybe not as in-depth as uh we go in here with the movies and then we're also recapping wandavision with me and david francisco uh i'm told the fantasy fair is going to have their own review of wandavision once it's all we don't have to worry about that yeah we don't have to worry about that at all but i mean just putting it out there but you can definitely listen to the week-to-week episodes that david and i have and we have uh quite the colorful commentary if i do say so myself um a lot of hot takes here and there which uh seemingly are uh nowhere to be found elsewhere on the internet which you know what peter that that seems to be the trend when it comes to our takes on a lot of different things it's, uh, but maybe there's a reason for that perhaps Perhaps. And of course, Red Spotlight just had its 300th episode. I'd encourage all of you to go listen to those. So, Peter, uh, let's get into this. I know that some of these movies you selected a whole year ago and we're only just getting into it now. But hey, here we are. And so talk about the films that uh, we are going to be discussing today and why it was that you thought of me when you picked these films. (laughs) okay uh the two films i will be giving you well i that i did give you were secondhand lion and the majestic i will speak now only on secondhand lion since i believe that is the film we're going to start off with uh let me just get right into it secondhand lions sorry there's an s at the end secondhand lions Directed by Tim. Tim. He has a hard last name. His name's Tim. (laughs) Secondhand Lions follows the comedic adventures of an introverted boy left on the doorstep of a pair of reluctant, eccentric great uncles whose exotic remembrances stir the boy's spirit and reignite the men's lives. Um, I... I think the answers as to why I gave you these films will probably be similar. And that's because you like sappy shit. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, that, thank you for, 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 for our review, or coming to our review, everybody. That, that's, that kind of sums up tonight's episode. Yeah, I like sappy shit and I'm not the least bit ashamed for it. In fact, it like many other things that I seem to really hold dear to my heart and... I can't fathom the idea that most seem to be put off by things like this. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I guess I appreciate sentimentality. Um, and yet quite often products drenched in that kind of sentiment are treated as schmaltzy crap that are emotionally manipulative and, are cursed because they tried in maybe a little too hard to make you feel an emotion. And to be fair, that can happen in a lot of films. Um, but it should not have surprised me in the least, uh, because this is feel good February, right? So we're talking about films that are feel good. So this is basically what we're going for. In my view, this is what these movies were definitely going for. We can definitely get into the particulars of whether or not it went over the line. Um, 
but it should not have shocked me when I went to read how the films were received um, to find out what I read. And quite... <laughs> it, but yeah. see, this is the thing. Both of these films I watched long before I gave a shit about, or knew what a movie reviewer was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Long before that. I think to this day, I haven't actually looked up the the reviews for these films, though I assume they're middling uh, for both. Yes. You know, but, 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 but I do very much enjoy both these films, specifically Secondhand Lion. It's, I found the story structure interesting. I found the characters interesting i there there's a lot that i enjoyed about it 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 i get i kind of can't say a lot and unless talking about specifics right but let's just say the the main trio of characters were characters that i really enjoyed and i and it i i admit i like some schmaltz as well uh, when it when it works, and this is one of those films where it worked for me. And I again, I know you are the kind of person that uh, is the reason why Harma- Hallmark even exists. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Yeah, for feel good, I I get all the smaltzy smaltzy smaltz that word smaltzy smaltzy films that I like. That I know you haven't seen. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give them to him for feel good February. I didn't do that with Kyle. I didn't give him those. Um, I gave him other kinds of uh, feel good films. But yeah, I gave you the schmaltz because you are the king of schmaltz. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if that was intended as a compliment, but I'll take it as one. Preferably because uh, in your uh, uh, usually comments from you are not particularly complimentary um in nature yeah well maybe it'll help if you just take any comment ever from me as an insult so like if i say hey you know like your hair looks great today just take it as an insult okay all right Uh, and that's me just being a good friend just making it easier on you (laughs) take out the guesswork you know right um um, <laughs> Secondhand Lions. What did you? Think well, are you going to get into the uh, synopsis of what this movie is about? Uh, brought, I did. You read the synopsis on Letterbox. Yeah, Secondhand Lions follows the comedic adventures of an introverted boy left on the doorstep of a pair of reluctant eccentric gate uncles whose exotic remembrance stir the boy's spirit and reignite the men's lives. I must, you think I said that off the top of my head? Or? I, I must have zoned out or something. I don't know. Okay. Um, it's my fault I was talking. I should have known. So, yeah, it's always fun, you know, when we're doing, when we're kind of giving each other assignments of movies to watch, in particular with To the Table. And it's always part of the fun is trying to figure out, all right, what is it? Um, about these movies that Peter thought that I would like. And <laughs> it became pretty obvious, the statement 
of um, what kind of person he thought I was because the second uh, it got into a particular territory of the movie and I was thinking to myself, well, man, I guess uh, this is how uh, I'm seen. <laughs> by uh, by Peter. It seems here. like you're taking it negative, but I'm not taking that personally. I mean, it's true. Uh, um, this is I I don't know. It shouldn't be unnerving, but you you seem to understand exactly the kind of crap I like without me even having to tell you. <laughs> wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Are you are you becoming Kyle? Are are you pissed off that you're too predictable? No, no. <laughs> I I made it very clear that I'm not pissed off okay, like that. Okay. Um, okay. I'm just uh, I'm happy that you get me. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, now Kyle is a different situation altogether. I'll leave you two to discuss that mm-hmm. insanity, if you ask me. But um, what I found really interesting about this, I immediately kind of picked up the era it was around and when i looked at the release date of the film it didn't really surprise me 2003 yeah this feels like a movie that would come out in 2003 and i have to wonder to myself you probably watched this movie around the time that it was brand new yes i did yeah it kind of makes me jealous though like who who introduced you to all these movies because i feel like um i i have to say i enjoyed the film very much so um it was very Mm -hmm. sentimental and it definitely worked on me but i can tell you there was a time let's say if i had experienced this around 2003 for example when it was released i probably would have been bawling really yeah Yeah. i thought you were gonna say i would have hated it i was gonna be like whoa no 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 no. (laughs) i mean i didn't hate movies back then did you i mean you just oh yeah that's true Bad movies didn't exist. Yeah. Just movies I didn't care for. But like the idea of a bad movie was. Yeah. Yeah. It, like a movie's a movie. How can it be bad? I know. It right? doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. Um, I can also see this movie. Uh, I know that I had a history teacher in high school. Um, every now and then he would be playing um, old films like. Um, uh, what were the movies? Oh, As Good As It Gets. Yes, that's another one of those that I love as well. That's where I was first introduced. Yeah, I was going to say you love that one. I love that film. That's where I first That's saw not it. an old film, though. That probably came out like... At the time, I was a good 10 years old. Was it 10? It was 98. Okay, okay. I think it was... Oh, that was 98? I thought that was like 2005. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it was 98, yeah. Okay. Yeah, by that point, it would have been a a little over 10 years um, when it was released. And this is, uh, this and uh, The Majestic, not to lump those two in this discussion, but like there are similarities, obviously, but those would be the exact kind of movies that this teacher would show. Um, They're wholesome. They're feel good. (laughs) They're just these nice stories of... uh, emotion and they have some nice virtues and lessons and it's all very kind of nice and i like that i happen to enjoy it and you know it's the reason why i'm saying that these kind of movies would have hit harder maybe even as recent as five ish years ago 
is because in large part, and you know, I have you and Kyle and many others to thank for this, but my palette has definitely evolved in terms of the kind of movies that I go for. It's kind of like when we were discussing last year, um, the trial of Chicago seven, which was a very entertaining movie, Mm -hmm. but it definitely fell victim to, um, certain issues that, you know, overplay the hand a little bit, um, that no longer work for me as they used to today. They still work a great deal, but maybe not as great as they used to. Um, like for example, with, um, Secondhand Lions, I probably would have adored this movie. And I, I, I this may come off like I'm trashing it. No, I really liked the movie. I, I had a great time. <laughs> and I mean, I was just uh, surprised of the cast. It had a Haley Joel Allsmith, who is, uh, I think this is the oldest I've seen him in the movies. That, right? Yeah. Uh, That's like right before he got out of the acting game. Basically, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, For a while, at least. Yeah. Um, the previous stuff that I uh, was obviously with um, uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and the sixth sense. Um, and then, of course, you had the two uncles and played by, I mean, just legends, Michael Caine and Robert Duvall. So, you know, off the bat, you have a great cast to really get you invested um and i enjoyed them a great deal i thought they all had a great dynamic between them and i can't remember i can't place what this movie reminded me of or what it feels like one of those stories i would have read in elementary school i know it's not like this and i'm saying this because it feels a little dated but in a good way like it's it's definitely period um mm-hmm. what's a period piece within a period piece <laughs> technically speaking that's true yes um but it's all very uh much from the perspective of uh Haley Joel Osment who is a young adolescent transitioning into I think early uh teenage years here um I did feel a little bad for him watching the movie because there were several uh, parts where his voice was cracking and it's that very awkward time where the voice is very clearly um, being affected by um, puberty. So don't feel bad for him. He was rich. Okay. I can be (laughs) sympathetic for people who went through that. Um, Although it didn't seem to affect me all that much um, as far as the voice is concerned. I thought I recall it's been so long at this point. Um, it was very entertaining uh, overall and hilarious in moments. And I what was it? Yeah, I, I this probably would have been one of the movies that I've been watching a lot if uh, I had experienced it younger, when I was much <laughs> much younger. But overall, I thought it was a very solid f- film. Uh, it definitely laid it on thick with the sentimentality. But at that point, I I think perhaps there is a far more critique of how the sentimentality is handled in The Majestic um, than in Secondhand Lions. I think for the most part, it lands uh, with what it's trying to do. Um, <laughs> and I mean, the ending was like, 
come on. How, how, how do you not buy that ending? It's, <laughs> it's kind of the best ending possible for that kind of movie. Um, it was sweet. Oh, it's great. It was sweet, man. It was feel good. I, you know, I had a great time. I don't know what you can say about a movie like this. It's not much else to it, but I think it was mm-hmm. honestly uh, very, very enjoyable. I I would say there's certain layers to the film that make it that just kind of plus it a little bit mm. more than what traditionally would this well the cast is one of those layers i think the cast is obviously that right like because just seeing these three great actors (laughs) together doing anything works so well um but there's a certain level of mystery within the film yeah like who who are these old guys and how did they get all their money Mm -hmm. and you're presented with a multiple uh, possibilities throughout the film. And again, it, it, it's not done just for the sake of mystery. It, it, it has a lot to do with understanding the men and then also understanding the boy and the, the reality he chooses to believe. It, it kind of reminds me of Life of Pi, mm. you know that ending where it's like you know, what what story do you choose? Yeah, that's a great film, by the way. Life of Pi. I should go back and revisit yeah. it sometime, but it's a very great film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved the flashbacks. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like like it's it's, and you that's what I kind of that's what I think I really kind of like about the film. It's three quarters this you know 1950s 60s uh feel good sort of coming of age story between two grumpy men and this you know young boy and then one fourth is this throwback swashbuckling adventure (laughs) film (laughs) you know with like cheesy bad guys and and uh, heroes, you know, he he fought twenty men with his hand tied behind his back. You know, you know all that. The story, to, just the storytelling of it all, yeah, is 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 so much fun to me. But I also think it's it is schmaltzy and cheesy and and all that. But there, it never goes so far as to not feel real. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, yeah and not feel like real life because you know spoilers the the big rollicking adventure that these two old men experienced when they were younger um it ended with one of them you know the love of their life dying in childbirth and the kid dying too it wasn't this happily ever after it's like well no that happens in life sometimes and the fact that you know the film acknowledges that and it's it doesn't run away it's very much a part of the film i was like okay you know this film isn't trying to be um it's not it's it's not trying to be like above reality mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. and it's the same with like him and his mom like his mom didn't come back and suddenly she loved him the way at least she needed to, or, you know, she was responsible. She came back worse than ever. Literally. Uh, 
Yeah, piece of shit that she brought with her. Uh, the lion in particular <laughs> that they bought. The lion dies. You know, it was old. It died because it was going to die. Um, but it died with a smile on its face. And it got to experience somewhat of the jungle in, in the corn, you know. And and I think that I I think that's why I really like it. I think that's what it works for me, because it is feel good, but it's it's feel good within this world, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Was there anything about yeah, go in particular the film or any? Oh, it was uh, that Duvall was hilarious. I mean, look, I mean Duvall is playing that you know character. Um, He's played Robert Duvall. <laughs> basically, yeah. I mean, but it's always fun. Uh, mm -hmm. Those kind of uh, uh, grumpy old men like type characters in films, uh, when done well, I think can be endlessly entertaining. I mean, just watching it's... him beat the crap out of uh, some like young teenagers. Greasers. Yeah, greasers <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That was hilarious. What's funny is I think about it. Um, I know Robert Duvall is like this this titan of of a of an actor but like my favorite performances for him are always like in comedies <laughs> like to me i always think of him in kicking and screaming kicking and screaming have you seen kicking and screaming i don't think i have no with um god damn it that's All what right. we have this show for i know shit it, it's a it's a what's his name uh fuck Will Ferrell film. Mm. He plays his dad. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. It's it's one of my favorites. I, that film is so funny to me. And, and his performance in that is, is fucking hilarious. And he he plays that, like, grumpy old man piece of shit um, who Will Ferrell can never, like, live up to his standards. And it's, I don't know, it's one of my favorite of his. And here, of course, you have that with him, too. And then... But there's there's little things through, throughout the film that are, I don't know, they're just fun to me. Mm -hmm. Like the, the idea that all day they just sit there and wait for salesmen to come oh. so they can shoot at them. Love with that. Their yes, yes. And then when they decide to buy shit from them, you know, they, they just go crazy. Like they're like, oh, we want a lion. We're going to buy a lion so we can kill it. <laughs> <laughs> and put it in, and and like I don't know, put it in our our living room. You know, they they try to. They're like one of them. What's his name? Wanted a garden, so they they try to make a garden, but they got ripped off, so it's all corn. Like like, there's just a lot of funny little things that happen throughout the film that just that keep it going for me. That make it really work. No, I agree with you entirely. Um... You know, uh, Haley Joel Osment uh, bonding with the lion. You know, just a that was. A... But also, it's funny. It's like they're there, ready to kill it, and they're like, "God damn it! It's a, yeah. it's a ter <laughs> it's it's a shitty lion <laughs> that they got." Yeah, kind of took. And then, of course, out of it. You know, like the the overarching themes between the old lion and them, yeah. Um, seemingly past their prime, but not really. And when they do go out, they go out with a smile on their face. Like that ending is just so hilarious to me. 
Yeah. And funnily heartwarming. The way... And, like, the way it happens and what happens. Oh, yeah, that's the thing, too. He never... He just bought a plane. He's like, I want to learn how to fly. He's No lessons, just, like... Well, I mean, I guess that's what crazy that's what you do when you're old and you have money. Just uh, want to try everything that uh, you haven't done yet. Um, were you trying to? I think the the film gave a pretty definitive answer um, mm-hmm. on it. But when you were watching this, were you trying to question back and forth whether or not? Um, the stories that were happening were true? Um, not really. I think I took them yeah. pretty much at face value. Yeah. But I don't... I think it was interesting, right? Because <laughs> the whole town's like, they were mobsters. They they stole it from Al Capone. <laughs> and of course, you know, of course, that, that kind of... Of course, that kind of shit would start up with them. Um... But I think that whole mystery is less for the audience and more for the Haley Joe Osmond's character. Absolutely, yeah. And it comes down to his decision. You know, who do who do he believe? Who does he believe, and who who does he put his trust in? Yeah. And I think giving the the, the definitive answer that their stories were real um, was just kind of a, a cherry on top for. Haley Joe Osmond's character, like my my belief in them or my trust in them was always correct kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then the movie ends and like you're reminded of uh, the opening moments where they were uh, seemingly going to reveal that they had died um, and then they 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 did die. But the ending isn't really all that sad. It's almost kind of, I mean, it's partly hilarious, but then also very heartwarming. Um, It's it's an interesting approach, right? Because you think it would be very sad for these two to die. But there's just some kind of, uh, I don't know, genuine win in the way that they went out. I don't know. It was, I mean, it was, overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, but I thought it was interesting the choice that they made. But I mean, I guess for the film that we were watching, it it was like, how else would we end it? <laughs> but what's great is the the character Haley Jawsman's character himself. He's not necessarily sad either. You know, he's like, yeah, this is the way <laughs> that they would go out, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, because I yeah, I don't think the film is is about being sad about death you know it's it's about it's about life yeah and and the reason why it's it's it, i think it's not sad is because they didn't die giving up on life um yeah they died embracing it yeah <laughs> so I, I, that's why i think it's you know if they had just died old men sitting on the porch waiting for someone else to come and, and get them with a shotgun and you know they just went out that way i yeah that would definitely be a sad ending but the film wasn't about death being sad because yeah because you have that foreshadowing of of the lion the lion went out being a lion that's right 
Mm-hmm. And then they went out <laughs> being lions. So, yeah. Secondhand lions. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Not much to say, but I, I think it's 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 one of my favorite schmaltzy things. Um, so, let's talk about the next one. It is The Majestic, directed by Frank Darabont. He's also, he's a, he's amazing, mm-hmm. Frank Darabont. Um, let's see. Came out 2001. So, this was before even Secondhand Lions, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your life comes into focus one frame at a time. Set in 1951, a blacklisted Hollywood writer gets into a car accident, loses his memory, and settles down in a small town where he is mistaken for a long-lost son. And of course, there's Jim Carrey, Martin Landau, Laurie Holden, who's a Andrea Frank Darabont favorite. Yeah, yes. Andrea on The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. You you noticed a, a few Walking Dead actors, didn't you? Yeah, I think Cliff Curtis was also in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on Fear the Walking Dead. Also uh, was recently in Doctor Sleep with Ewan McGregor. Yeah, no, he 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 has his actors. If you see some other Frank Darabont, I, The Mist, she's in The Mist too, I think. Um, what's her name? Laurie Holden. Yeah. So. What did you think of the majestic? Um, there's many um, truths about this movie that uh, it's just beyond irresistible for me to not eat up. <laughs> It, it it was interesting. It, this one did take me for a little bit of a ride. Um, obviously, not reading that synopsis beforehand, um, because we start off. Yeah, it's it's a weird premise. It, it is, and I was a little bit confused about what the fuck was going on because there's a there's a moment in the movie very early on where this takes a turn, and I was like, wait. Did we just cross over into a different movie here? Because <laughs> the way that it's set up, it's about this Hollywood writer who's fallen victim to uh, the scandal that's going on with the Hollywood Ten. You know, the 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 Red Scare, um, this anti-communist movement, which McCarthyism, McCarthyism. Which again, for the record, it's not really communism. Okay, but yeah, just which always pisses me off every time we get to this era. So I was immediately like. Kind of like what I did with you with Boy State. Like, Peter, why would you give me this movie? I've already seen this story. Like, see, I see. This is the difference between me and you. I'm not the asshole. Oh, my God. I don't set out to piss you off. <laughs> I don't either. Like, whoever said it, I did. I, and it's because, and I, I, you know, the movie that I was being sold in the first few moments let me to believe that we we're going to be, you know, following through this story. Which I've seen several times before. I think the best example of it was Trumbo with Brian Cranston. Um, yeah. Which is a film I really like a lot. Um, it really goes into uh, what really happened in that situation. Um, and then it doesn't really do that. Um, it, it does something a little 
bit out of left field, but then overall, it ended up being exactly what the movie was going for. All right, so let me... Did you take notes? No, no, no. I'm I'm looking down, but I'm trying to collect my thoughts. There's a lot of things that I want to say. <laughs> uh, as someone who uh, obviously likes movies a lot and um, follows the film industry, and at the moment am very much missing the atmosphere of a movie theater, um, watching this movie now was kind of really good for the soul, you know? Um, Because the aesthetic of the film is drenched in the movies, the movie industry. Um, There's a sequence here where they're literally um, bringing back to life an old, run-down, small-town theater. And and the reason they do it too. Yeah, the reason they do it too is it, I, if I think this falls into one of the into a category of like a movie like maybe Saving Mr. Banks, um, like where you kind of uh, like you know it's a movie about the movies. It's a movie about how they're made, or it's a movie about uh, how movies are important or that way. And I mean, it's not really a about that per se it's it's one of the things that's there but um those elements definitely spoke to me there was one particular moment where um martin lando uh harry uh trimble here the character is saying something that felt like steven spielberg or martin scorsese wrote where he's basically saying um why would anybody want to you know, see anything on a small box at home when they don't have to even where here the audience and the atmosphere and I, I, that that came off very like feels like a <laughs> a Scorsese op-ed <laughs> from twenty twenty one, huh? It felt very much like that, so I was like laughing, like <laughs> man, that that was very on the nose. This movie is not subtle at all, um, but it's fine. I mean, I th- I mean, to me, that's not necessarily a fault. Um, I really enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed the performances. Uh, I really enjoyed Jim Carrey. This is kind of a side of him I not really am used to seeing. I mean, Jim Carrey has range. Let's be real. He he plays Mm -hmm. different characters, but he's more often known or associated with uh, eccentric and in-your-face personalities. Have you seen The Truman Show? That's one that I've been meaning to. But I hear that's a different facade. That's a different uh, part of it. Look, I don't, I don't yeah. watch these movies that way. That you, we will never run out of ammunition for to the table, and that way this show will never <laughs> be canceled. Never will. So, <laughs> hey, I'm just giving you nothing but ideas for future episodes. We can have a whole Jim yes, Carrey month are. if you'd like. So that's. Have you seen The Mask? Yeah, um, but mm-hmm. I don't really remember it all that well. That was one of my childhood favorites. Yeah, I remember it being on uh, Cartoon Network, and then I would—that would be one of the ones. <laughs> I damn it! You would only watch it if it was on. Cartoon but I didn't Network. though. I didn't. Oh, I, but you would skip. I it, would that's flip right. the channel to something else that mm-hmm. it just didn't catch my interest. Like the Iron Giant didn't catch my interest every time it was on every Thanksgiving oh weekend on Cartoon Network. You would get. Oh my god! It's a classic. 
I hear okay. that, yeah. <laughs> um, but I watched SpongeBob this, yeah. instead. <laughs> um, did you have HBO growing up? No. No. Okay. Well, luckily, I am privileged. It seems that way in a lot of uh, yes. different aspects. I don't know what that implies, but okay. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I just, I, I meant like beforehand, mm-hmm. you're privileged from a film standpoint that you were exposed to a lot more movies than I was. You were exposed to a much larger variety than I was. I mean, that's kind of the situation that we're in today, right? Like these are movies that theoretically yeah. speaking, I should have seen. I mean, you you and not just you, but the entire um, family here at Red Spotlight made a big deal about the fact that I didn't even know about the twist and the sixth sense. As if that was something... How could you not know? Which was in a previous episode that we did, by the way, if you want to listen to it. And I'm like... How? I didn't watch the movie. How would I know? I, I I don't get that. Like... What's so funny is I made so many jokes about the twist, like the twist in the film, like beforehand you saw it. And like, I guess I didn't notice that you, they just went over your head. A lot of things you say go over my head, Peter. I just don't respond. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Because I was just like, okay, he's just not responding. It never in my mind, the possibility like came that. Oh, he he legitimately doesn't know the twist. That never even crossed my mind. I never saw the movie. How would I know the twist? I I don't get it. Because it's it's the same way that everyone knows that Darth Vader is Luke's Luke's father, and you have to you never have to see the Star Wars films. It's just so ingrained into. You know why I didn't know? Because no one talked to me at that point in my life, Peter. I didn't really have anyone to converse with. There's your answer. Who do you think I was talking to about the fucking sixth sense? I don't know. At that age, I would overhear people talk about the Grudge or something when it was out, but I was never in those conversations. I was always just you know overhearing people talk, but like, I, I wasn't in the know. I apologize for that. I mean, okay. Apology not accepted. <laughs> I, I. Okay. Anyway, back to whatever you were saying about what Jim Carrey. Um. Oh yeah, we're talking about his performance, right? Let me let me work backwards. It was Sixth Sense, um, Mask, <laughs> Truman Show, Majestic, Jim Carrey performance. It's he's great. Yeah. He's he's legitimately great. Um, recently, Jim Carrey's kind of lost his fucking mind. Has he? Yeah. But he I, he's still great. Mm. But he, I feel like he's just not into acting. I think he he likes painting, and you. But you listen to him speak nowadays. It's just like ooh, <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> you, you doing okay there, Jim? And so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying because I don't think we'll see these kinds of Jim Carrey performances ever again. Like, it's just this was Jim Carrey at his height, and it's 
it's the kind of film that's been compared to um uh who's the one who did it's a wonderful life capra is it frank capra yeah Mm -hmm. i saw some people say that you know it's um darabont trying to go capra full frank capra Mm -hmm. you know maybe that's why this film worked so well on me as a child as well because i love it's a wonderful life Mm. um that's another film where just the genuine wholesomeness of it just hit me right where i live and i think even so went so far as to influence me who i am uh and this was that kind of film that was about, you know, those kind of people and that kind of life and sort of the moral and political statements that the film was trying to make. Mm-hmm. Very similar to It's a Wonderful Life. Just hit me right where I live. And it's like, yeah, here, here. <laughs> And the fantastic direction by um, Darabont. Darabont's one of the all-time greats. I really do think that. And and I think, you know, people that are into film will acknowledge that. But, you know, people don't really know Frank Darabont. And, mm. and that kind of makes me sad because I feel he's just incredible. This, this is the kind of film that... If you're talking about feel good, which we are, because it is feel good February, this is my shit. No, no, I I, I can't agree with you enough. Like this really did. It got me in the feel several times as well. I mean, Jim Carrey is great. He he he's giving a legitimately great performance. It's it's interesting how this is not talked about enough more. Um, you know. Well, I saw the reviews recently, and I saw that's the reason why. Yeah, there are some. Yeah, it was pretty trashed. It seemed like. Um, all around, seemingly because of, of its sentimentality, which I think you and I can have a discussion toward the end of this podcast about um, why that is so loathed, because, you know, but we'll get into that discussion later. Uh, but to me, you know, watching the film, um, when we get early on in the in, in the movie and, you know, Carrie, I mean, sorry, not Carrie, uh, what's his name here? Um, uh, Peter Appleton has lost his memory. Um, and mm-hmm. he's being embraced by, you know, the people of this town. And it's going through the motions. And I, I, at that point, I hadn't really put together what the movie was, what this movie was actually going to be. And then Martin Lando comes in uh, as Harry Trimble, and then he mistakes him. And I, he mistakes him for his long lost son who evidently uh, was believed to have perished in the Second World War. Um, And in that moment, I was legitimately confused because I thought like, wait, (laughs) what? Did did some other movie just play out? Because this is not what we were, unless unless that person was confused about who he was. It, It just, because he was so convinced. And not only- He's like, that's him. That's my son. Not only was- was he convinced but so was the whole town and usually that that doesn't track somebody would have noticed something was off and then when they reveal to you the really tragic nature of this town in that they were literally given a monument by president roosevelt because of how many of their 
our own died in the war. They even have like a whole um, particular part of the cemetery for those that died during uh, what they referred to as the Great War. Um, and so very early on, you begin to understand just uh, the sad state of things um, that have, you know, befallen the town. And then they're all convinced that this is, uh, what do they call him? Uh, Luke Trumbull. They convinced, they, they convinced that it's him. And um, I, I, I honestly thought this was really well directed. And all of the moments that it was going for really hit me and was working really, really well. And um, that being said, like, it, it, it was like, um, you know, it felt very Lifetime. It felt very Hallmark. I, I, I understand that. But like, hey, I don't necessarily have a problem with those things as much as other people seem to. And then, of course, you introduce Lori Holden, who was the love of Luke. And so they're reconnecting. And I got to tell you, I was having a hell of a time figuring out, like, I, I feel so stupid because I think, like, the movie was literally trying to trick me. Like, um, I guess it starts off with Jim Carrey playing one person, but then you're so convinced by how convinced the whole town are that this is Luke. And you're kind of swept up in the moment and then you like mm -hmm. almost forget like the very like the first 10 minutes of the film because you kind of like, never happen right yeah. like you, and you don't really want to remember that because look how how happy everyone is look what a heartwarming event it is and um it was just a very honestly just enjoyable movie to sit down and experience it kind of like and I, I'm a sucker for those kind of stories, you know, it, it kind of feels a little bit like, um, without the amnesia aspect, or the, the first Cars movie where you have, um, this character from the big city, um, who's caught up in, you know, what's going on there. And then he falls in love with the, you know, the simple qualities of a small town life. Um, and then he's, you just described every Hallmark movie ever made, but I love that. <laughs> I know. No, I, 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 I'm a sucker for that kind of setup. I know literally every Hallmark Christmas movie. Let's be real about that ever made. Well, the only films they make are <laughs> Christmas movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. I Yeah. I don't think there's ever been a, a particular um, time where that setup hasn't worked on me. Um, I really liked Martin Lando. Um, and it really... We get to a moment in the movie where he is um, dying, and for yeah. and this is right that this is a really interesting moment, right? Because he seemingly has, and I don't know if the movie was implying that this was intentional, but um, Luke or Peter, actually, you know, Jim Carrey is remembering who he is as he's watching a film he wrote. And then the lines of dialogue are being recalled in that moment. And then he has this, oh shit moment, um, which is kind of funny when that happened. Um, Cause it all kind of came back in an instant, but at that same time, Martin Landau um, had a heart attack. Uh, 
and is was slipping away from life. And I was really wondering in that moment, is he really going to tell him that, oh, I'm not really your son, but peace, right as he's like literally on his deathbed. And there's a moment where he's trying. I think he was about to do that, but then he saw the look on his face and it was, um, it, it, it was, it made the scene that much more intense because you don't know how it was going to end, but it also made his passing just that much more tragic in that, um, you know, he had his son back in whatever way, shape or form in the last few months of his life, it seemed like. So it's moments like those that um, I think will never not work on me. And I don't know how, it, yeah. I don't know how others, you know, view it as, but up until this point, um, I, I was just really all in with the movie. And then when it unloads, when the, uh, what do I want to say here? When, uh, the paint start well, when it starts to be revealed <laughs> who he really is to the town. Oh yeah, yeah. And it it honestly felt like um that scene out of fucking Cars when like literally uh Jim <laughs> when they come back for right like Jim Carrey is literally in the middle of the street in the town center and then all of these cars come out of nowhere it's like a police patrol and then they literally come in they pick him up and they swoop him away kind of like what happened with um. Lightning McQueen in that movie. Um, I don't know. It just it felt really like almost the exact same sequence, um, but it was really awkward um, to see. Yeah, I, I hate awkward. I, I I had to pause and kind of like look away from moments like that. Even in the scenes where they were like, um, they made him go up on there on the stage during the celebration to play piano. I was like, oh no, this isn't gonna go well. Um, you and I have this thing where we just cannot stand awkward moments. Like it just is, it's just too cringe. Like, even though it's like, it's not, we're not there, it's not happening to us, but just watching awkward things happen is torture, which is why, um, we associate the film by Bo Burnham, eighth grade, a horror movie. It is a horror film. <laughs> I, I feel we're correct in that characterization. <laughs> Holy shit. That film. Oh man, fuck him. I can't. No, that is a horror film. That is a more horrifying a film than any horror film I've seen in a decade. I don't know. Uh I you know what worked with all the reason that all the character stuff really worked for me is because a lot of the larger than life implications going on around it right so for instance like the whole town just instantly welcoming him back yeah that's like well this is kind of ridiculous and da, 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 da. like you can't tell you maybe you can go like well it's been a few years you don't have any pictures of him or da, da, da. but you realize it's mostly because this is a town that had lost so much yeah that had given so much and they felt almost abandoned by their country just despite everything that they had given and that seems to be a theme doesn't it um (laughs) certain parts of the country 
uh, in the week of this recording, definitely feel abandoned by the, you know. And they don't need to feel it. They are. I, I, they, they, they were. Um, and there's no getting around that. But in this film in particular, you could tell they were just reaching for for anything anything for for that sort of bit of i don't know if i you would even say hope but just um reaching to take back just a little bit of what was lost that i think they were immediately willing the entire town to embrace that this guy was um tommy was his name luke luke they were immediately willing to embrace him as Luke. And then, of course, but that, of course, I think plays into, because like you said, it's it starts off as like, okay, this, this is a movie about Hollywood, and this guy's getting blacklisted, and his life's going to shit. Like, okay, like, where's this going? And it's like, oh, shit. Like, it just becomes this whole yeah, other film, yeah. right? Once he gets into that car wreck. But when they once they bring it around, you sort of see the overarching themes that they're going for. Mm. Um, when you connect the way that town feels to the blacklist and sort of what has become of this country, the country at that time, and in the same way that the country board. Betrayed um, its citizens during McCarthyism, and I mean, I'd argue <laughs> every day since. Uh, but specifically in those ways, in the way that sort of connects to the town and the way they felt betrayed, in you, this small town, all they had was each other. And they gave that. They they gave pieces of themselves and they lost them forever. And that sort of betrayal to their sacrifice as exemplified by, you know, the march toward um, fascism with McCarthyism betrayed their sacrifices. And of course that comes to a head in the, the, the final... Uh, the the rousing speech of the courthouse because right, right. of course you gotta have it <laughs> the made for Oscar moment yeah never came the Oscar moment <laughs> but that I mean come on that literally is the Oscar moment yeah like it, yeah <laughs> um but yeah so so the way it all connects together I I really like and I really appreciate um. I don't know if you feel the same. No, I no, I agree with you entirely. I think um mm -hmm. I can definitely understand um others or those that would feel like um it didn't all come together, but I for me it worked. It worked well enough. Um and I was just completely absorbed by it. And you know, just also the the, the message that it was going for at the end Again, kind of like schmaltzy movies, I don't think will ever not work on me, if only because, <laughs> like, you know, I I have such deep uh, partisan and uh, points of view in regards to um, the country that you and I reside in, um, 
like, and, you know, with the number of times that uh, American politics is explored through film, it, it never fails to be frustrating to me. It always ends up being, um, it always makes me legitimately angry to see um, corrosive, toxic, dangerous, fascist-like movements pop up, um, especially since this is a time that is immediately following the Second World War. And I think it's really encapsulated in one of the old guys um, from the town when they were listening to that to that hearing where he said, this isn't America, basically. This is not what uh, the the boys that uh, our boys died for. This is not what they died to, you know, to protect mm -hmm. as if it was becoming something else. And I don't know, it just felt good to finally have uh, to see, um, uh, you know, Jim Carrey invoke the memory of the person he unfortunately was impersonating to push back against this witch hunt, this um, complete bullshit, because they were attacking freedoms. And I actually have here um, one of the few people that actually defended this movie was Roger Ebert. And... Really? There was actually a I was going to I was going to ask you like yeah. I I saw that it didn't get great reviews but like why? Because I recently rewatched it and it's like I <laughs> it works on yeah. me. like I don't I don't know what you guys were feeling but it I I think it definitely I'll answer works that question and I think uh after I, I I read this quote by um Mr. Ebert. Um this is what well, this this is what uh, I have here, right? For the reception, right? You, like the the majestic received generally unfavorable reviews. Um, on the review aggregator website, Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a rating of forty two percent. Um, the website's critical consensus reads: um, the film is ponderous and overlong. The majestic drowns in forced sentimentality. There's a key word there. And resembles mm. a mishmash of other better films. That's a bit harsh. Um, I don't know if I'll go that far. No. Kenneth Turan of the Los Angeles Times commented that it was a derivative, self-satisfied fable that couldn't be more trickly and simple-minded if it tried. Damn. Um, yeah, some people had... <laughs> See, okay, okay. Maybe, and this just might be the case the worse the world gets the easier the smulches on me but i will say i don't want to attack movie reviewers or anything like that but i said this before trump back when we were doing reviews of house of cards and I remember a lot of reviewers bagging on it, like, well, this is ridiculous. Da, 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 da. And I remember thinking, really? You think this is ridiculous? You're going to say this is ridiculous. <laughs> and then in less, less than a year, I was, I was easily proven right with, with that notion. Like, and I feel like sometimes, I don't, I don't know if it's the media or movie reviewers, or, they'll scoff like, oh, 
like this is unrealistic like okay you really think people need to be retold that you know bad things are bad yeah i do i really do <laughs> like if if someone just 10 years ago had written a script laying out everything that had happened across the last four years you would get laughed out of any place you pitched it and said this is beyond stu like like are, are you going for realism like is, is this a sequel to idiocracy like what is this like this isn't realistic and I think that's, and again, I think that's because a lot of these people have their heads up their asses and they don't understand the way things really are going in this country. And I think it's a little bit of an elitist thing, but I'm not going to say, I don't want to, I don't want to imply that, oh, if you don't like this film, it's because you're elitist. Da, 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 da. Not at all. It's just when, when you're like, I, I just get the sense sometimes that people act like, really you need to say you know that these things are bad or really you know this this comes off silly to me and it's like okay i guess but just from my personal experience uh reality is still so much sillier and so much worse that yes these things are necessary but yeah go ahead <laughs> i agree with every word of what you said there let me read off what roger ebert said um, one exception to this was Roger Ebert, who awarded the film three and a half stars and praised the film and its ideals. This is what he said, quote unquote. It flies the flag in honor of our World War II heroes and evokes nostalgia for small town movie palaces and the people who run them. Frank Darabont has deliberately tried to make the kind of movie Capra made about decent small-town folks standing up for traditional American values. In an age of Rambo patriotism, it is good to be reminded of Capra, of Capra patriotism, to remember that America is not just about fighting and winning, but about defending our freedoms. Ebert also praised Jim Carrey's performance, stating that he has never been, he has never been better or more likable. See that that's I agree with what he said. <laughs> that that's the way I walked away from the film feeling. Yeah. Um Okay, this was released in 2001. Do you know the month in which it was released? I, I, I was afraid you were going to ask that question. Um I can have that answer for you momentarily. <laughs> it was released in um December the 11th, 2001. Uh, actually, uh, mm. yeah, wait, yeah, December 11th, and then it went wide December 21st, 2001. Okay. Huh. I, I, I feel like if it was kicked back oop. a few months, people might have viewed it differently. I really would like to hear your reasons why. Because I feel like I am thinking the exact same thing. Because let me just say something. Because reading, mm -hmm. basically, um, reading Ebert's statement there about where he said that in an age of Rambo patriotism, I thought he was referring to um, the era in the movie. But if this is post 9-11, no, he's talking about the way the world was at that point. Rambo patriotism 
is exactly how you would describe that point. And where he said it is good to be reminded of of uh, Capra patriotism to remember that America is not just about fighting and winning, but about defending our freedoms. Well, if it came out in December, then his review was before 9-11, right? Not terribly. Not terribly. I think now, this has to be post 9-11. I don't think I, I don't think the month the review would have been made you know months in advance. It said here that um, the the premiere of the movie was in December the eleventh, two thousand one, and then it went wide December twenty first. This is oh yeah no 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 September's before December okay yes that's <laughs> um uh yeah 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 yeah. Are you going to say something to that yeah. or it it just might maybe wasn't I don't know. I don't know. It it could be, you know, at, at the time that it came out people just didn't want to hear it. Well, I mean, like, we like should not yeah. in, in general in general yeah. about like smaltzy cuz usually in times of tragedy people feel like those and i think this is like scientifically proven or, or not scientifically proven but like surveys and, and and you can see that when people are depressed or sad or scared overly optimistic media comes off as fake and bullshit to them you know what yeah. i mean and and they just don't want it they don't want to deal with it and honestly, that might, I'm not saying it did, but there's a possibility that that played into it. Mm. Um, I, I, I told you about like the, the thing, when the thing came out, people just, it got trashed in the reviews and people just didn't have an appetite for it. And the reason they didn't have an appetite for it is because E.T., <laughs> had just come out beforehand and and people wanted the cute and cuddly aliens and the disgusting horrific horror that was the thing was just not not where people were at and not what they wanted and that could possibly have been the issue with the the majestic um especially because yeah, at that time, everyone was just gung-ho patriotism. Like, if, if if you look at the flag the wrong way, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Like, like it was crazy. It was... Um, crazy. It was... <sighs> George Bush, in, in overnight, his, his favorable ratings hit the 90s. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Um... So yeah, it it could have just been not the kind of film that people had the stomach for at the time. I mean, you bring up a good point about all of that and, you know, without needless to say it was all bullshit obviously if that is the reason because I mean that clearly is out of the control of the movie. Um unfortunately for the creators involved, but it also is um it's just upsetting because people were definitely coming from the right place, but they were just giving way to 
um, really nefarious forces. And the, it is an interesting parallel. I, I wanted to know when this, if this was the year, but it was right. So the USA Patriot Act was signed into law on October 26, 2001. And if you're familiar with your history, that particular um, legislation was uh, met with, I mean, it passed, but uh, I think many people regret voting for that who are still around today. And it was seen as an invasion of privacy, you know, put to put it mildly. Um, and perhaps Ebert was drawing some comparisons between the formation of the Patriot Act to the Committee on Un-American yeah. Activities. People were all in people wanted revenge right like like that's kind of i was fuck i was young you were five I was very young i was six i was maybe i was maybe four um well i don't know i don't remember i was six years old i remember that well i do re i don't remember my exact age but i remember the day and i remember it happening and i remember the months the weeks and months and years it, you know um right afterwards because um my family watched a lot of news so like i i saw everything uh i i saw those towers fall like a million times as a child which i don't know if that's great or not but i i did yeah because i saw a lot of news and i and i heard a lot of speeches and for the for the days and weeks and months on end the second you turn on the TV, that image was just, it, it was like it was a painting. It wasn't a TV more and it was a painting because every time you turned it on, that's the image that you would see. Um, and I, and I remember there very much was just a need for blood, a need for like, we need to hit back. Whatever the cost, whatever means win. necessary. But it's like, when what, you know, it, it's, it's probably one of the reasons why it wasn't that hard to convince the American people to go in and invade Iraq, even though they had literally nothing to do with 9-11, um, or at least toppling the government had nothing to do with 9-11, but we wanted to do something. And... Yeah, I, I, I can understand how where the country was at in that moment and maybe where the Majestic was just not aligning. Because, yeah, yeah, I remember, like, if you don't like America, then get out. And I remember Fox News defending the Patriot Act hard, hard. I remember Sean Hannity, like, and I was four. I was four, and I remember fucking Sean. God Hannity. damn! Um, <laughs> I didn't have the misfortune to know that name until I, I, I at least was like twelve, I think. Well, to be fair, God, maybe maybe it was like it wasn't immediately after nine eleven. Maybe it was like the years preceding, like not preceding, following the event. I because I remember when it was Hannity and Combs. Yeah, he started off as a as a duo. You know, he was the conservative and then Combs was the lib. You know, that was the whole thing. It's like, oh, I'm a conservative and I'm a liberal. But we're we're going to talk about the issues of the day and have our back and forth. Until they, of course, eventually cut 
Combs, and then it was just Hannity, Hannity, Hannity. But I remember back when it was when it was that. Um, again, that that might have been like two thousand four and stuff like that later on. But no, I re- I remember. The biggest thing was fear. Yeah, like people like the fear was insane. Um. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I like the film. I have uh, more a little bit here on what Ebert was saying that I found quite interesting, if you allow me here. Um, Go ahead. The Majestic is a proud patriotic hymn to America, sung in a key that may make some viewers uncomfortable. At a time when our leaders are prepared to hold trials that bypass the American justice system, he was not being subtle at all. Here is a fi- oh, shit. here is a film that unapologetically supports the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. It is set in the early 1950s, but the parallels with today are unmistakable and frightening. Yet this is not a sober political picture. It is a sweet romantic comedy starring Jim Carrey, and it involves a case of mistaken identity and an attack of amnesia, those handy plot devices from time immemorial. It ties the flag in honor of our World War II heroes and evokes nostalgia for small-town movie palaces and the people who run them. It makes us feel good, it makes us feel about as good as any movie made this year. Some high praise. Um, let's see here. Um, in an age of Rambo patriotism, it is good to be reminded to remember that America is not just about fighting and winning, but about defending our freedoms. If we defeat the enemy at the cost of our own principles, who has won? He was, he was going after some people here, wasn't he? He made it very well known how he felt. I'll tell you that. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, this shit was happening at that time. Um, And I, I, I think, fuck, that's crazy that that film released exactly at that time. Because it really was history repeating itself. I wonder if perhaps yeah, that, 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 that fear that's drove. true. That's true because I mean, who would want to at a time of Rambo patriotism want to see a movie that was criticizing America? Mhm. And criticizing that thought process. Like the Islamophobia at that time? Disgusting. Again, insane. Insane. Um it, it, People wanted blood. They really did. And, and they weren't going to let a, a little thing like the Constitution get in the way. <laughs> or even the fact that the people we'd go after had nothing to do with the attack on us anyway. We're going to let a little thing like that get in the way. So, yeah. <laughs> um, That's crazy. Yeah, I, I didn't really think about the the angle of this film about when it was released. Oh, here's some information here. Uh, in the last paragraph that Ebert wrote in his, um, in his review, um, when the majestic went into production, there could have been no hint of the tragedy of September 11th, but the movie is uncannily appropriate right now. It expresses a faith that our traditional freedoms and systems are strong enough to withstand any threat. And that 
and that to doubt it as well. Um, excuse me, let me read that again because it, um, it expresses a faith that our traditional freedoms and systems are strong enough to withstand any threat and that to doubt it is, well, un-American. Yeah. Not subtle. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think this is why I feel pretty confident in a lot of the things I believe in. Yeah. Just because history usually proves them to be right so many times over. No, if anything, reading that just made me feel stronger about the film and more resolute about yeah. why. Because I think, mm-hmm. and this is why I oftentimes um, like to explore... Um, the conversation around um, shows and movies, because I'd like to know the thought processes, the thought processes of how people get to, you know, the the takes that they have or the opinions that they have. That is interesting. I, I, you and I discussed it recently, I like know, right? In, in, yeah, I like knowing why people think yeah. the things they think. And oftentimes, if we find the source as to how they arrived at an opinion, then we can for people like you and I choose to take them less seriously than they otherwise might be viewed as. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. And sometimes it's the opposite, yeah. right? You, you take their, their criticisms more to heart mm-hmm. and, and you sort of understand their point of view better. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's the internet where you see this shit. So of course a lot of the times it's just going to come off like okay I see where you're coming from and I give less of a shit now <laughs> what you're saying. Um But again, it's the internet. It it's just filled with people that suck. Um Forever and always. Yeah. I'd be really interested to see not us, obviously, because we just did this, but just sort of a, a re-examination of the film. I agree with you. A nice large. video essay would do. Maybe we can contact Lindsay Ellis to see if she can come up with something. <laughs> yeah, and she'll release a two-hour uh, video of why it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> or we can go to Patrick Willems. Uh huh. I like Patrick Willems. He's great. Mm. I like a lot of video people. I love Lindsay Ellis's um, live-action Disney. Uh, I love her. My favorite is her relentless um, destruction of Game of Thrones. Oh my god! Can, okay, <laughs> not to talk about Lindsay Ellis or anything, but it's like I've always liked her, and I've liked her work, and like I was like, oh, she seems cool. Um, I, the level of vitriol I know. that she had for the last season of Game of Thrones, like, I was like, whoa, okay. Like, like it just kind of surprised me that, like... She could be that angry. She, well, not just that angry. Like, anybody can, can become very angry. But at this, you know, like, at, at, at the last season of Game of Thrones, like, I was like, oh, shit, I don't know if she cared about game of thrones that much i guess i don't know but like she was pissed um 
And then, yeah, her video wasn't. Wasn't she gonna have another part to her video? I don't. She know did she two parts. Did. I don't know. She did two parts. Okay, maybe I missed the second. Part. <laughs> did you? Re- I remember watching the first part and going like, "Holy shit, you really don't like this." <laughs> and I mean, in her defense, yeah, that last season was crap. It was bad, and it does, and it. Do- it it is also one of those things that really makes me angry. Um, when you peel back the layers and you realize, okay, they didn't think about this. No. Like they didn't they didn't try to think about this. It, it was just the kind of thing of like themes. What are themes? You know, <laughs> we're we're just we're just gonna do it. We're just gonna write stuff. And it seems like they they took that approach, and it just makes you go like, "Oh God, like really?" Um, so yeah, in in that in that area, I I kind of understand the anger because that's what makes me mad too. It's not if you make something that's bad, but then you you peel back and you realize like, "Oh, you didn't even really try." That's like. But see, that's also why I don't like getting invested in TV shows. Because of shit like that. If I can I can watch a movie, if it's bad, I walk out two hours later, and if it's good, I work out walk out two later two hours later. Not like a TV show where you invest a decade of your life into it and then it just fumbles com- fucking completely <laughs> in the last season. Eh, that's uh that's so, a risk, but thankfully I've had I've had great luck with uh shows that don't fall apart at the end, so I don't know about you, but at least at least I pick smartly. It seems that way. Um, anything else to say? Um, you want to talk about? That... Uh, go ahead and finish your your last thoughts on this, and then also what oh. we're doing with Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, I know we probably already touched on it, but just the the love of the theater oh, yes obviously and, and and how it's used to to bring people together yeah. especially through tough times uh i i really loved the 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 fake movie um, <laughs> right i wanted to watch the fake yeah, movie yeah. and like the hero was played by bruce campbell mm-hmm. of evil dead fame so and i just i i ate it up like i legit would have watched that movie <laughs> that that they wrote um yeah just that and then overall like i said i i loved this movie as a kid and rewatching it i love it even more and i'm still taken aback by the reception to the film <laughs> but yeah just sort of delving into the time period it does make a little bit more sense and I and I do really, really want to see maybe I don't know just because sometimes every now and then a movie will pop back up and people are like hey remember that yeah and people will be like hot take it was people shit on it at the time but it's pretty good or you know they'll say the opposite you know <laughs> this movie was never good I don't know why people liked it and I'd be really interested just to think see what people think of the film today well it's another I think. Um... I know we're about to wrap up here, but I, I did tease this. I, I think a lot of the reviews probably were honest, and that is they viewed it as overly sentimental. 
Yeah, Why do you sure. feel that that is such a loathed thing or quality in movies? Because remember, we've <sighs> talked about, I believe at some point, or we, we know of the fact that Spielberg for the longest time, that was his quagmire, right? He, he was viciously attacked by a lot of critics. I think most of all, like Pauline Kael, you know, just accusing him of like making nothing but sentimental crap. And even to this day, people f- view Spielberg through that lens. Yeah, I, I I think maybe because a lot of movie reviewers, you know, they're all about the art, the artists, uh, and sentimentality, and and all that gushiness can come off feeling fake to them and just unworthy of that title of art. You know, art is that tragic fucking i don't know drama that's in a foreign language which i fucking love those but that's the only thing i can really see is that that sort of sentimentality comes off as just bullshit to them and to be fair like sometimes it can come off that way to me too like like it depends it, not every sentimental film i'm going to see in love a lot of the times I'll see one and I'll go like, oh, this is crap. I hate this. Fuck this. Um, and I have said that, right? Like, well, I, I think I'll be watching a movie. For a recent example mm-hmm. is The Trial of Chicago 7. There are moments in that movie that yeah. really mm-hmm. are beyond the pale. Like, they, they, they go so over the line that it ends up like that last, the closing scene in the trial of Chicago seven is meant to be this sweeping and emotional and triumphant moment. And it ends up being one of the funniest scenes of the whole year in any film. It, it's I, hilarious. It goes so far that it pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan of that ending. Right. But again, it, it could work really well with another person. Yeah. I, I guess it, it just comes down to the line, mm-hmm. right? All art is subjective. The line of where it works for you and where it, stops working for you and for a lot of movie reviewers especially if you watch uh, billions of fucking movies every year um i can understand maybe where you have a a a lower tolerance level you know for that kind of stuff but for me and again especially as the world gets worse like i I, I, I want to feel good. <laughs> yeah, especially. Some other cast members I wanted to point out that I recognized here. Uh, Hal Holbrook played Congressman Doyle. He was uh, the head congressman in the last scenes uh, where Jim Carrey... By the way, that was a great sequence. I know I don't care if it was made for the Oscar, but it was hilarious. Um, and I think it was beautifully um, executed. Uh, but Hal Holbrook recently passed away a few weeks ago. Uh, I think he was in his 90s. Um, he played a key, um, figure in the Lincoln movie, uh, with Steven Spielberg. And then of course, I mean, that's what I know him primarily from. Mm-hmm. Um, there were also cameos in the beginning and end of the movie. There were executives that were speaking over, um, Jim Carrey. I thought it was hilarious it was hilarious indictment on movie executives because it just, you know, the joke and is that they're kind of pretty crappy when it comes to making movies. Um, 
and the the voices were some of the most famous producers gary marshall um and then rob reiner and carl reiner were also some of the voices as well really yeah that's interesting did you see who the voice was for um the real uh, matt damon luke yes. matt damon <laughs> is what was it is it an ongoing thing where he's just like randomly brought into a movie like he's he loves doing cameos it seems that way remember that weird one for interstellar a few years back yeah he just popped yeah into the movie yeah it's like it's just fucking matt damon (laughs) he loves just popping into movies like i feel like he visits sets and he's like oh this is fucking cool like can i can I do a scene real quick? Like they're like, you're fucking Matt Damon, sure. Can I can I record some voiceover? Like, yeah. He was in Thor Ragnarok, right? Yes. Yeah, that was another one. <laughs> and he just played the actor of Loki. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Deadpool too. <laughs> oh. He was covered in makeup. Oh, okay. He was one of the oh, the, the X Men, the, the like hill. The, no, he was like one of the hillbillies. Oh, oh that's right, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. In the in the truck, <laughs> he just likes being in movies. I don't. know. It may be you. that. Matt Damon's cool. I like. Also, a uh, little known actor, um, Catherine Dent. She played Mabel here. She was, I think, the. She was the one that was working uh, the waitress at the diner. Oh yeah, she yes. um, played Peter's favorite Marvel villain in Agents of Shield. Um, she played General Hale in season five. Hale as in Hale Hydra. Um, remember that one? <laughs> she was the mother of Dove Cameron, who apparently went to That's Hydra right. High School Musical. So, and then she had her he- head caved in. She was squished. She yes. was squished. She was she was squished. Oh, and, and speaking of, um, here's the weird the weird thing. She was squished by the character, um, General Talbot. Right? He had a cameo in um, Secondhand Lions. He was one of the salesmen. Yes, he was the salesman that beat the shit out of uh, the ghost kid. Mm-hmm. Full circle. Full circle, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. It's it's it, when you're seeing older movies, it's just fun to see uh, familiar faces that you know of later on. That's one of my favorite things. Is to go like, oh my god, that's them before they became big. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not remember that fucking uh, what's his name, Kylo Ren was in Lincoln. That's right, Adam Driver. Yeah, there was a lot of faces in yeah. that movie that you don't really think of. But it, it also tells you, like, yeah, like, because sometimes it can feel like these these guys just become famous overnight, yeah. and that's just not no. true. You know, <laughs> they put in years and years of work until finally they they get something and they blow up, or they don't, and then they just never hit it big, which happens to most actors. So yeah, no, it, I really like seeing that progression. About actors, I just like movies. I do okay? too. I do as well. Well, uh, Peter, you want to tease the next episode with Kyle Lehrer? Next episode will be with Kyle Lehrer, and we will be going over uh, two very different kind of films. One is a, 
I believe French? I'm not sure. Uh, stop motion animation film, My Life as a Zucchini, I think mm -hmm. it's My Life as... And then the other one will be uh, the Netflix comedy, Dolomite is My Name. So, yeah. Look forward to talking to Mr. Lear. Whose banishment apparently has been lifted. It has been lifted temporarily. <laughs> yes, it has. He has a he has a visa, temporary visa. We'll call it a green card. Can be revoked at any can be revoked at any time. So yeah, needs to watch himself, but he will be here next episode to talk about those films. All right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our conversation. I had a good time. Um, we learned some things that we didn't, you know, knew previously. And uh, thank you very much, Peter, for recommending these two films. I enjoyed them a great deal. And I can't wait to see what we are going to be doing next. And to stay tuned, obviously, for the next To the Table with Kyle Lyra. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.